G'day Aussie Gridiron fans, welcome to week six of the NFL season, done and dusted. We're back with a bit of a recap show on G'day Gridiron, go through all of the games that happened in week six and see what do we think about those games, are they, are they a bit boring, what sort of things happened. For me, it's a bit of a down week, I think, probably one of the, the worst ones we've had this season so far. Manjo, what do you reckon? It's a... Uh, was it? Did you get any real excitement out of this week? Not really. It was real dour. Real dour. I think just like week one, when I was talking about bad weather and all of that, I really think that really played a factor this week. And a lot of these games was raining, really windy, like just cold. Yeah. Just everything was yeah, bad for about sure. it. Now, Brad, Brad, I know you're a, a former QB coach. But I know yeah. what kind of football you like. This seemed like a very defensive week, didn't it? A very like the defenses just ran wild uh, in these games. Yeah, and I and I think it's pretty indicative of what we've seen throughout this whole early few weeks. Is the offense has been down. You you you've seen that that they're saying that uh, I forget what how it ranks historically, but it's really low in terms of the offense this season compared to other seasons. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, everybody loves a good offensive show, um, but we're not getting that. Not defenses win championships, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's three yards in a cloud of dust. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, it was, it was a lot of big defensive plays. So let's get into it. Uh, how about we start off as we have been the last few weeks with Thursday night football? I think everybody thought that Chiefs Broncos was going to be an absolute runaway for the Chiefs. They were going to score like they were going to put up like Miami numbers, you know, against the Broncos like seventy points. But uh. I think this is one of those games that was indicative of what we were just talking about, where the the D for both teams really shone through more than the offense did at all. Broncos defense managing to hold the Chiefs to only 19 points and in three of those quarters only a field goal. It, I would have to say is an amazing performance from the from the Broncos uh in, in the defense specifically. Even though they still didn't really play that well in my opinion. Uh, offensively it was horrible for the Broncos. I mean it's, Russell it's, Wilson 95 <laughs> 95 passing yards, a touchdown, two ints. Man, the one time your defense actually shows up. and it's you only, you, Yeah, you yeah. only throw 13 and 22 and 95, Russ. What the deuce? One, it's like one side of the ball or the other does well. Never both sides for this team. It's just so hard to watch the Broncos. And for the Chiefs, honestly, 19 points. Let, let me just say this, okay? I, I actually think Mahomes is just like, Taking his foot off the gas at the moment, he it just doesn't look like the Mahomes we usually see. It just feels like Mahomes is just playing this easy, you know, doing just enough to win, not going over the top like he has in previous seasons. Like, MVP, uh, who cares about that? I'm just going to win this game and this game. I, I think, yeah, it's a bit annoying as a Mahomes fantasy owner where it's like, oh, I want Mahomes to be going out there and doing his best. But... It's it's just like I feel like Mahomes is just simply not not caring as much anymore about like the wins and losses now. I think they're just saving something up to Chiefs for the rest rest of the season. 
That's just me, though. I, I don't know. It's a weird thing to say, but I think they're saving up their run for the end of the season. Uh, yeah, and I think An- uh, Andy Reid's a master of that, of getting teams right, realizing it's a grind, and you can't kind of go – it's just not physically possible to go pedal to the metal for the full 18-week, 17-week season plus playoffs. So I, I think you're right, man, Joe. I think he is just, they're just kind of have it in autopilot mode. And they're probably a little bit more concerned about, you know, having Tay-Tay over for dinner. The Mahomes are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so. well, speaking That's of Tay-Tay probably... over for dinner, T. Kelsey, 124 yards. Whoa, what a Travis Kelsey game. He is just these last few weeks. And I don't know whether it's the Taylor, um, the Taylor Swift thing, but. Uh, it's Jesus. He's just balling out the last couple of weeks and really proven what an asset he is to this team. And it's definitely big old stamp that he is the number one tight end in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I do love about Mahomes is he spread it out to like eight different guys. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So yeah, it's it is Kelsey is on the next level. He has been for a few years. And you're seeing he, he's continuing to do it. So hats off to him and, and Andy Reid. It's just, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Hey, speaking of going pedal to the metal, or at least trying to, it would seem, Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about Dolphins Panthers. Dolphins ended up coming away 42 to 21 with this, but not without a bit of a scare. They were down 14 nil in the first quarter very early on. And I, I think they, they might have gone in with a little bit of complacency, but the Panthers definitely got up on them early. But then, of course, it only really took two drives to get that back from the Dolphins. They turned to switch on in the second quarter. And went, no, 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 we are, we're out here. We're going all out. So, they've, But they seem like Brad from, you know, he's saying that you can't, Andy Reid realized you can't go pedal to the metal the whole way through. The, the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel, just seem like they are really trying to go pedal to the metal for the entire season. They they are. And that offense is unlike anything that we have seen in the NFL. Just the speed at which they are playing is absolutely insane. Uh, those guys are just flying around. I don't think it's sustainable uh, to, you know, talking about that. I think teams will kind of figure them out a little bit more even with that speed and i think injuries are going to come into it i think the guys are going to wear down uh a little bit but but it it really feels like they're playing a video game you know and just yeah. in terms of oh i'll just do this i'll do this and what's cool to see is the running game getting going with the dolphins you know most are now uh with with a chain out uh he's just running wild so what do you get 115 carry 115 yards on 17 carries so it's the dolphins are next level and it's fun this is kind of the the whole gen how offense defense works you know in the nfl and in football in general the offense comes up with something cool exciting new and the defense has to adjust and the the speed at which and the the creativity in which you're seeing with the dolphins it's a really uh, it's an exciting brand of football yeah, 100%. I thought there was a chance of an upset here with the mm. Panthers. I thought they actually came out real good, real good signs for them. Unfortunately, go down after the Dolphins just put on an assault after that. 
it was what 28 35 35 straight points by the dolphins yeah to really just yeah. go it went from 14 nothing to 35 14 it was just incredible they they were just going all the way out there i mean the the only other score the Panthers could muster was an interception return off Mike White. Tua didn't do too much wrong. He probably should be MVP front runner at this point. I know I say it. I know I change the player every week for MVP <laughs> front runner, but that's actually how it's going this season. The, the yeah. front runner for MVP is changing every single week. There is no clear guy out there. I put Tua out there this week. Next week it might be you know, Purdy again or CMC again, or might be, who knows, like Hertz could be going out there on the homes, you know, by default. Yeah, it's just Tua, I think, deserves a lot more credit going out there, throwing free touchdowns, makes it look easy, throwing all the deep balls, all the short ones. It, it's just too easy for Tua out there. But like, yeah, I t- I'll tell you, you know, who who is not in the front runner for MVP and who does not deserve any good credit is the Miami cornerback uh, Eli Apple? That dude, <laughs> Manjot's uh, favorite player. Yeah, right. Uh. right. He, he, he. They need to find another corner because they ain't yes. winning the Super Bowl. Jalen Ramsey's coming yeah. back soon. Yeah, he's coming yeah. back soon after in November, I think. Actually, so okay. hopefully, just one more month, Brad. Oh. One more month where I can like. Hey, yeah. one guy in the Dolphins. I love the whole team <laughs> except Eli Apple. All right, there let me just go. say <laughs> one more month of hating on him, and then back, then Jalen Ramsey comes in. Thank God. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know anybody that that really likes Eli Apple or the way he plays. It's just uh, everybody. Every every single team he has been on, he's a bum. So, I'm he's, sorry, he's, he's trash. He's so he's so bad. I'm I'm sorry, man. I mean, I've gone over him like a million times on this podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the he's the he's the Mac Jones of the defense. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good one, Brad. Good one. Perfect. He is indeed. He is indeed. Uh, how about we um? How about we pivot to the last London game for this season, Ravens and Titans. Both went over to London to play uh, at the Hottenham Totspur Stadium. The Ravens came away with a 24-16 win over the Titans, but it wasn't a very convincing win, Manjot. I mean, we saw even even the play from Lamar today, or sorry, in this game, wasn't, uh, wasn't great. It wasn't the typical Lamar game we're used to seeing. Yeah, it was a real weird one watching Lamar. I think, and, and this is going to be very weird to say, but it's almost like Munkin has sucked the life out of this guy. He's just sucked the life out of Lamar. Lamar's not playing his natural game. I know he led the team in rushing yards again, but he's still not out there playing his natural game. No. It just doesn't feel like the Lamar of old. He's just felt like... He's got to stay back in the pocket, pass the ball, really get out to the receivers. I mean, great sign to see Zay Flowers finally get his first NFL touchdown. He's been teasing it for weeks. But apart from that, it's just really felt like the Ravens, I don't know, this offense feels good, but I know where they're sitting right now, four and two is pretty good. Do you think, do you think looking back is, now after six weeks that the OBJ signing – is turning out to be a bad one. 
It doesn't seem like he is on the same uh-huh. wavelength as Lamar. It doesn't seem like they're on the same page as the playbook. Yeah, I, I don't think so at the moment. I just think, I, I don't know if OBJ fits that style of offense either. I feel like he's lost a bit of a step in speed. And that offense really requires a lot of speed, especially with Lamar mm. out there. I think OBJ being a little bit slower than he was in his prime, I think that's really hitting the Ravens a bit hard, I think, at this point. It's good to see Zay Flowers, though. Like, that's a positive. Really good to see him step up, even when OBJ's bad. I think, you know, last week with all the drops that cost him the game, this week, yeah, it just feels like they haven't sorted out the receiving core, really, and the offensive style for Lamar yet. Well, and and I think they, they got to get the run game going, you know, and yeah. I, I know they've, they've tried to do some design runs a little bit with Lamar to compensate. But they really got to get that run game going and they got to get something happen in the red zone. Uh, they've scored one touchdown in the last seven quarters. So and, you know, they only went what one for six in the red zone in this last game. So they really got to get that. And it's the red zone for a reason. It's it's hard. Everything's compacted. It's, it's hard to make plays in there. But if they want to make some noise in the playoffs, they got to get this figured out pretty quick and not rely on Lamar because otherwise we're just going to see Lamar same thing happen. He's going to carry him through, carry him through, and he's going to get hurt. And it's just, it's not sustainable. So I I like the Ravens. I think they're, they're doing some good things, but they got to figure out an answer for the run game. And if you're Tennessee, Oh my goodness, you are bad. Like so bad. It's, and, it's, and and they had their in, they had a share of injuries in this game as well, and most notably being Ryan Tannehill went out with a leg injury, which looks like he's going to miss some time. But then Malik mm. Willis came in, and he didn't he didn't show like he'd made any progress at all. It looked like the Malik Willis that we saw in that short stint last season, yes. where he was yes. just bad. And this is the reason they went out and drafted another QB. So it looks like. Malik Willis might be filling in here, but he might also lose his spot as well. It, it, well, it, you know, for this for whatever period that Tannehill is going to be out, it looks like Malik Willis may even lose out. Yeah, yeah. So, so bring bring on the Will Levis era, you know. Yeah, it was interesting um, to really see. I mean, he had what forty six yards on this one play, but he still threw for two less yards than Tannehill on eleven yet less attempts. I mean. I know, I know that one forty-six yard play really helps to that seventy-four, but still, that really shows how bad the passing game is out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does, and I think that's my personal opinion. I think I've said it in during preseason. I think if they end up, if Tannehill goes. Tannehill is out here, and he's definitely going to miss some time. They had him in a boot apparently straight after the game and off to hospital. So there is obviously going to be some kind of complication. So at least for this week, because they've got the bye in uh, week eight, I think. So they've got to play one more week. I'm pretty sure, unless they're week seven bye. Uh, I thought remember. they were this week. I thought they were this week, but I could be wrong. They might be a week seven bye. I better just check my check myself there before I wreck myself, Brad. Uh, they are a, a week seven bye. So they okay. are out this week. Yeah. So maybe Tan- gives Tannehill an extra week then to, to get going. But if he is out for a period of time and Malik Willis uh, – isn't doing that well, and Will Levis comes in. I think this ends up being Will Levis's team for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tannehill gets back. 
Because if Will Levis plays the way that he should, the way that we saw, or what the things that we saw from him coming out of college, mm. I I don't. I think that they'll fall in love. I think the Tennessee people, Tennessee fans especially, will fall in love with Will Levis, and just it'll be that. See you later, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and unless something's happening there that we don't know about, you know, if, if they see if they're seeing something in practice. It's just making them say, oh, this guy is not ready. I think but- it's just the money, Brad, to be honest. They're paying Tanner Hill a lot of money right now, but if he's injured. Yeah, second biggest cap hit in the entire NFL. Mm. So they have is to it really? Yeah, so they have yes. to carry him, and he has it's to be on the bad. he has to be on the wow. roster. He has to be basically suiting up every week. Yeah. Uh, but okay. is it the point where you, he's not quite as healthy as he should be? Could maybe play backup role and you put mm. little Levis out there instead? That mm. might end up having Malik Willis, though. Oh wow, he is just—he's not looking good, that kid. Um, yeah. So, uh, move on. Let's go to Commanders Falcons, which ended up being a pretty close game, but again, another very defensive game. Good defensive showings from both teams. The Commanders, especially, who ended up getting the win, basically on the back of their defense, twenty-four to sixteen. Sam Howell had another pretty decent game, 14 to 23, 151 yards. Desmond Ritter, though, was still playing amazing, yet the Falcons went down. And I think that is, like I said, testament to commanders in the way that they came into this game. Yeah, you know, it's, it's I did my usual watch every play of this and, and ask myself, why am I watching every play of this game? <laughs> um, I, I must admit, I watched some some like hefty highlights so that's about it yeah. <laughs> okay yeah yeah same yeah. i was yeah. red so that was it okay. but you, you okay. saw basically nothing then Venture. yeah you, you yeah won, pretty much you saw the you saw atlanta like move the ball down the field but then they get in the red zone and they couldn't do anything yeah and I, I'm sorry, but this is what this pissed me off to no end, especially from a coaching perspective. So Arthur Smith, they go down, they're down and the, uh, by two scores, they score a touchdown. So now they're the score is now 24-16. So they're down by eight. He elects to go for two. It's it just it boggled my mind. It, there's an old saying, you don't chase points. So what you should do, in my opinion, is to kick the extra point. You're within seven. Then you have the option to go for one, go for the tie, or go for two and win the game. But yep. when you go for two like that right away, you're mm. you're putting yourself in a bad, bad spot. And it just and of course they didn't get it, and it came back to bite them. And it's just it's it's. I, I love the play design, so I like what Arthur Smith is doing. I I hate some of his choices. Absolutely hate oh, some of his choices. Is it, uh, yeah, that's that's the analytics thing, by the way, Brad. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. apparently, it's actually when you're down fourteen, you score a touchdown, make an eight point margin. Apparently, according to analytics, it's actually better to go for two. When common sense says go for one, make it a seven point game. Instead yeah. of going for two and leaving the range of outcomes being eight or six, yeah, and yeah, that that's why. Again, I I had this rant maybe last year on this podcast, but the analytics have been killing the game. I feel like I, just just common sense decisions. I, I think we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about a game later on. I'm gonna probably bring this up again in another couple of games actually. Um, later on, 
why do coaches like go for analytic decisions? Analytic is, is analytics is good and it's got its place, but it shouldn't yeah. be it shouldn't be the deciding factor. The deciding factor should always be your the, the coach's gut intuition for what yeah, which absolutely. way to go. Because they all know what the traditional way to do it is, which is what you're explaining, Brad. And mm-hmm. then you've got this analytic side saying maybe do it this way. But the coach has got to be the one standing there reading the flow of the game and going with what yes. gut instinct he feels because yes. analytics is only looking at, at numbers. It's just that's all yeah. it is. It's just numbers. It, exactly. it can't read It can't read the flow and the feel of the game at that point that you're trying to make that decision. So I totally agree. I just When I talk about the defense here, the, the Falcons got five sacks on, yeah. on Sam Howe again. Mm. This is just... We, we talk about this week after week, and I don't want to harp on about it too much because I don't want to – we seem to spend a lot of time on Commanders and Falcons games in our recaps. <laughs> and it, and yeah. I think it's my mind just blowing every week where how is Sam Howe still alive? It's yeah. Just, and how is Desmond Ritter still alive? These two – and I haven't looked it up, but I would near guarantee that they are the most sacked quarterbacks in the league right now in the first six weeks. And I, I can – I say that without even looking that stat up because Sam Howell uh, again yeah. another five times. Like, what is your O-line doing? And the fact that you can oh. still win, that just it blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Ritter just yeah. is not the guy. Yeah, Ritter's not the guy. That's really what we see. Well, I mean, their O-lines, both their O-lines should be shipped off, basically. At yeah, this point. Why, why, why is Ritter throwing 47 times? That is just so bad, man. I mean... Just looking at it too, the Falcons killed them in every stat. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. Yards, so... Total yards. You know, they had way more time of possession. They should have won this game, the Falcons, based on the stats. But the commanders, to their credit, just didn't break. And really, the turnovers is what got them over the line. Yeah. What I tell you what, what I did like, uh, though, about this in watching the game was they got Kyle Pitts involved. Man. And I, I think that is a blueprint for if you're going to have any success going forward, you got to, it, it's got to be London and Kyle Pitts. Those have to be your two guys. And they did get them involved and it looked like things were rolling and, and Ritter made some good throws, but then he just made some woeful ones, just some really, really woeful ones. And that last interception at the very end of the game, when it was, uh, he, he they're going forward on fourth down. I don't blame him because I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but the play before they had a delay of game and it, and the same thing was happening. This is what, again, pisses me off and it's bad coaching. You have a delay of game. So you get this penalty and then you almost get another delay of game after that penalty. They So it's just ridiculous. And I understand when you're down at the goal line, and substitutions they actually do take longer to get in i don't mean to get too far into the weeds here but players having to run an extra 10 20 yards because you can only get creep up to the 30 yard line so you have to run from the 30 on the sideline to get into the line of scrimmage it's a longer run so it takes a few more seconds but as a coach you have to account for that and so what you saw was on fourth down, the play clock's running out. Ritter's like trying to get them all set. And he says, oh, I'm not going to let this be on me. Takes the snap. And of course, it's not a good pass. And it's a, it, it was rushed and he gets intercepted in the end zone. So the, the kind of the, the behind the scenes stuff is what's really concerning me. 
You know, Arthur Smith as a play designer, fantastic. Arthur Smith as a head coach, poo-poo. So, it, yeah, it's, I get real frustrated with it. Yeah, same. I, same. And that's why I wonder why we spend so much time talking about these yeah, teams let's move every on. single week. My head you know, is hurting. We need to move on before. Oh. And I mean, I'm going to get a little bit happy, but a little bit angry about the next game. In terms of defensive games, Vikings-Bears, so much happier as a Vikings fan this week wow. with a a really good, solid enough, solid enough defensive show. They got after it the the D the D line this week. Really got after it early on, and they got after Fields early on. Sacked him four times, uh, and then he ended up exiting with a hand a right hand injury early in the third quarter, which we've later find out was a dislocated thumb that he popped back in himself on the field and, <laughs> and continued to play before realizing that he couldn't grip the ball. And that's on his right hand. So it's on his throwing hand as well. Mm. So he popped on the field, popped it back in himself. So they didn't expect any surgery, but any timetable for coming back for fields is going to come down to uh, grip strength, which is very logical. That's what Matt Eberflew said. Is they don't know. So he is doubtful for week seven against the Raiders. But in terms of the Vikings, they played great. Uh, Cousins threw for a touchdown. Jordan Hicks returned a, a fumble for 42 yards for a TD, which is great. Fumble recovery TDs are always good. As I said, the D got after it a lot. And it wasn't too bad a game, although it was a pretty frustrating game. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I was no. just going to say. What concerns me, the Vikings, is so you're without your best player, Justin Jefferson, and you, you think, okay, we got to run the ball here, but they their running game did not look good. Alexander Madison is is as shown in six weeks, and there's a chorus on Vikings fan pages is a chorus of stuff about Madison is not an RB one. We need to get no, we really. need to get over okay. that and move on from that and start feeding Cam Akers more ball because he at least knows what it takes to be an RB1. And mm-hmm. it's just so many of his routes. They're just they're, – they're not looking for gaps. They're straight up the middle. And that's on, yes. that's on the O-line as well. We all know that as well. They've got to create yep. those gaps for a run game. But yep. he is – because he's been so used to being behind such an explosive player like Cook and he's used to probably coming on uh, – in on third downs and maybe blocking or just hitting one straight up the middle for three or four yards. He, I don't think he's gotten the mindset yet of how to get around, how to dodge, how to move. Just, yeah. I don't know. Mm. At this point in time, Alexander Madison is definitely not RB1 material. And the, you're right. The Vikings need to figure out a run game because you don't have an air <laughs> game. You don't have a decent yeah. air game without Jefferson. Although KJ Osborne and, and TJ Hawkinson did – Amazing once again in his game, but you're right, Brad. Yeah, totally agree with what you guys say. I mean, for the best side of it, oh, man, losing fields is just a massive blow. Big blow, big blow. Massive blow for them. I just think, you know, you're going to Tyson Bajant. That's how you pronounce it. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They signed, uh, they did sign Trace McSorley to the practice squad. Hey. Trace McSorley, throw it on the duck. At least, at least we know we're going to win the Super Bowl now. They signed the goat right there. But man, I, I honestly, because yeah, I watched this on Red Zone as well. I was so confused 
I was like, who is that? Who's the Chicago quarterback now? I was so confused. I, I actually literally probably just found it out like today. And so like a couple days afterwards, who the quarterback was. I mean, I did not watch that much of this game. All I saw was Vikings. Like, that's it. The Vikings were just so dominant across the board in this one. I just think, you know, still another one-score win. So it shows that they're still winning in one-score games. It's not as overblown as we thought it would be for the Vikings. We thought that their luck would just completely bottom out. But it looks like they still have a little bit of that lucky. And so yeah. anything's possible. Anything's well, possible. Well, talk about, talk about luck. All six games so far this season have been won or lost by eight points or less. Every single mm. game is eight points or less. It's a well, I think that, that could change this next week uh, going up against the 49ers. But, yeah, uh, it could or it may not, considering yeah, what we're going to talk knows. about later with who the 49ers. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And their, their cursed franchise. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, well, let's move on from Vikings talk for week six. Uh, let's go to Bengals Seahawks which promised, I think, to be a lot more than it was. But both sides, I, I, I wasn't left with a, a really positive feeling out of either one of these teams. Oh, yeah, me neither. I mean, it was just a bit woeful from both teams, i got to be honest. I mean, uh, they just don't look like that themselves from last year. Both teams have looked like they've really declined yeah. across the board. And I've just got to say it, but I- I'm having a few panic moments here about Geno Smith for the Seahawks. I mean, he hasn't been that convincing at all in this season. He He's actually... I hate to say it, but... because he got a bag, Major. I, I said it. He got the bag. Yeah. There's nothing to work towards. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, he did get injured. I know he got injured, but did, still, but... In, in the five games he's played, he's not looked good. Except, except the Lions game, I would give. Um, the rest of them, I mean, he played decently against the Panthers, but yeah, that's only two games out of five he's really come up. And I'm starting to have a few flashes, a few warning signs there for the Seahawks. I think. Um, sound the alarm bells potentially. I think for the Bengals, you can still sound alarm bells because, man, I mean, the defense did their job. The defense really carried them here. Burrow still threw two touchdowns, but I still feel like 185 yards. It was, it, it's not really that convincing. I really feel like the defense set them up to win. The offense still doesn't convince me as being legit. So I'm, I'm honestly from this game, just don't know what to read out both teams. I actually think both teams have declined quite significantly from last year, from what we've seen so far this year. Not just this game, but this game really showed it. Yeah, I, you know, I think that for the Bengals, their offense in the first half, great. You know, they 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 look good in the first half. The second half was just a hot mess of poop. Uh, it was it was not good at all. So if it depends on who the Bengals, which the Bengals decide to show up, I'm not as down on the Bengals because I guess in the past we have seen them struggle a little bit and then bounce back. But but I understand people's reasoning and if they are, um, I think with Seattle, 
Uh, I think what I'm impressed with Seattle is their run defense. They were woeful on their run defense, but they really held Cincinnati in check pre, uh, this last game. So I, I see some good signs there on their defensive side, but I agree with you guys. I'm worried about Geno Smith and he is just not making good decisions. And that's what uh, has been what made them so good previously. It was, was he was making all the right decisions. He wasn't turning the ball over, but now we're, we're seeing that. I don't know if he thinks he's more than what he is. And so then he's pressing the ball. Um, but I, I am a little bit worried with Geno Smith and, and what he's doing. I think Joe Burrow is going to, lead these guys and i think the Bengals will be fine um come long term but there are definitely some concerns with them i think their biggest concern for me is just what's going on with receiving for the Bengals. Uh, between mm. Bur- between burrows still not quite being right or still coming back and just uh, we're not by this time last season yes they started slow but we were still used to seeing big games out of jamar chase tyler boyd and t higgins really smashing through and, and putting up some decent numbers. T Higgins in this is four targets, two receptions for 20 yards. And that's just, that's just not enough for T Higgins. And I know he's only just come back from injury, but it's just not enough. Yeah. And it's, um, let's, real, real quick, I, I yeah. finish with this, with the Bengals, imagine being a Bengals fan and the way, considering the way they started the season, if 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 Bengals fan would have, if you would have told them, hey, I'd be happy to be three and three after mm-hmm. week six, they would have laughed at you. But I think as a Bengals fan, you have to be grateful that you're three and three, considering how bad they looked. Yeah, I totally agree. They were pretty lucky, I think, to get out of that three and three. So yeah, they're pretty lucky to get to this yeah. point at three and three. Hey, let's uh, like I said, let's pivot to what. I think, in my opinion, it ended up being the game of the week this week, which was 49ers-Browns. 49ers, of course, came into this game at 5-0 and as arguably the best team in the league, both offensively, defensively, and on special teams out of all 32 teams. I think everyone can agree they were amazing. Ended up with... A few key injuries during the game, which was starting to, I think, and Manjot will probably attest to it, giving quite a few 49ers fans some very, very vivid flashbacks of the end of last season as guys like CMC and Debo Samuel started going downhill. Uh, and but the, and then the Browns basically just, geez, they just stuck into this. And when you talk about defensive games, the Browns' defense here, I think, was the Biggest, biggest key and the biggest takeaway from this, other than PJ Walker, is still a, a QB that can come in and just carry a team to what needs to be done and let a defense just absolutely cook. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm gonna let Manjot, you Yeah, I'm gonna let I was waiting for Manjot. He doesn't know what to say. It's it's <laughs> a tough one. It was a tough one for us. Um Definitely tough. Yeah. Full, full credit to the Browns. I mean, they did well. I hate their team, hate the fan base, you know, um, for very obvious reasons. I mean, hate, yeah. I mean, hate is a strong word, but you can use it for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I hate that. Just hate that fan base. But anyway, um, as I was saying, full credit to them. They did well. Uh, what 
Miles Garrett was doing, what that defense was doing, it was incredible. Niners defense did real well as well. Uh, just such a frustrating game, though, um, to watch. I mean, look, CMC started off real well, scored that touchdown. But I, I think I think there is just something really wrong with how defenses are treating him at the moment. I mean, I know this is going to sound real salty, but, I mean, no shit he was going to get injured, though. Like, let me be, uh. let me be 100%. They they started the game off two personal fouls on CMC, real dirty play by the Browns. You know they 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 came out with that sort of intent. Out that's what pissed me off about this game is I mean you know full credit they deserve the win, but also you know they come out they do all that cheap stuff you know horse collar tackles, pushing Ooh. him out of bounds, face masks. That that shit pisses me off. Let me be honest. I was so happy seeing CMC score that TD. But of course he was going to get injured. They're going to keep doing that all day, and honestly, yeah, that is what that is what got me like real real upset with that one. Um, but yeah, I mean Devo going down, everything was just going wrong. Uh, crucial call at the end on to Sean Gibson that wasn't a high hit that would have given us the ball back, and Purdy didn't play well. Unfortunately, I mean first time I we've actually that's... haven't seen Purdy do well, but. I will say Brock Purdy, to his credit, even though in his worst game, he gave us a chance to win the game. He gave us an absolute chance to win a game. It was just our rookie kicker missing it. I don't want to be too harsh on Jake Moody. I know I criticized the draft pick of him. I know I said it. I know, but he did only miss two field goals in this game. This is only two field goal misses of the season. He was perfect coming in. He's a rookie. Misses are going to happen. Honestly, I feel like people should just, you know, I know it costs people parlays and everything. I know that, but look, Moody's still going to be good, I think. And yeah, I'm not going to go too harsh on him. It was a team loss. It was it was just something unfortunate, you know, just a lot of unfortunate things happening to the Niners. And if this is what's going to take to beat Austin, yeah, I mean, we must be a pretty good team there. There's no doubt that the 49ers are a great team. Uh, I would yeah. argue they're still the best team. Um, yeah, me too, me too. I'm biased. Yeah. Hats off to the Browns, though. Uh, you know, yeah. Jim Schwartz, I'm a huge Jim Schwartz fan as a coordinator, and I think what he is doing there is is amazing. What impressed me so much was the Browns, they just decided to bring four. They dropped everybody back, and they just brought pressure with four or five. And it and it shows what a dominant defensive line they have. Yeah. Uh, and they just were able to put pressure on Purdy. And he played uncomfortable. And you could just see it. Uh, he was he was not ever comfortable in the pocket. And it totally worked. Uh, so, but, you know, you look like a genius when you got studs across the defensive line like that. So. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just for Purdy in terms of his worst game came at a bad time when he had the worst game. You're coming up against a really good defense. Your offense gets some very key injuries. Your defense doesn't play as well as they should. So it's sort of all things that were just lined up together with Purdy's worst game. Yeah, so it's just and 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 Moody, Jack Moody missing that final kick. I mean, that was just the epitome. That just sort of really 
capped off the whole vibe of this game, I think, for the 49ers. Yeah, I knew he was so, – I had a feeling he was going to miss, honestly. 42, was, 42 yards so in the NFL today is a chip shot. It's it's pretty much automatic. Yeah. And yeah. I bet you you put, you put him at 42, 45 in training, he's probably going to hit 20 out of 20. But yeah, you know what though? If if I'm the 49ers coaching staff and whatever, I'm okay with it because I want him to be in pressure situations like that. Yes, and yes, I guarantee you that he's gonna uh, probably behave a little differently or have a different mindset the next time he's in that um that that situation. And you you got to go through the fire before you can be a stud. So I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about the kicker. No, there's a lot of, there aren't many games in, in finals or the Super Bowl anymore that are won with walk-off kicks, like walk-off field yeah. goals anymore. Yeah. But you do want him to be, to know that in that pressure clutch situation, he's already been in the fire. He's already gone the hard yards. He's missed some, he's won some. And yeah. you want to know that if it does come down to that, he is just gonna he's gonna hit it and he's gonna be all about it. So uh Manjo, you gotta you gotta leave us soon. So would you like to is there any of these games that we've got left that you wanna have oh, a chat about? Yeah. Um, you wanna pick one that you, you desperately wanted to have a bit of a chat about or not? Yeah, I reckon maybe maybe let's skip let's skip all the way to the end of the week. Brad, talk up them cowboys, please. Oh, <laughs> I suppose we just put Manjo under the fire. Brad, yep. um, can you tell us why the Cowboys managed to win 2017? I I just said I said uh, I said in our group chat, and I don't know whether Brad saw it because I know you like to uh, mute the chats and watch the Cowboys game when you get home from work. But I said in this, I I had a feeling that you would have been really stressing over which team to pick here for our our uh, our Aussie uh, Gridiron Network sort of picking comp because. You're obviously a diehard Cowboys fan, but you do have a big love for both Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you hit the nail on the head. So uh, it it was. I in fact, I went back and forth on the on picking this game. I first I chose the Chargers, uh, and then I sat on it and thought about it, and I thought, no, I I'm going to go Cowboys, and then I went back to Chargers, and then back to Cowboys, and all this. <laughs> so uh, you know, I ended up. I ended up, uh, I, I felt like it was a true 50-50 game, but I ended up going Cowboys just purely because if I'm going to root for one team, I, I wanna, I'm want i going to pick that team a uh, type thing, so in a 50-50. But, you know, in the game itself uh, was kind of ugly. I, you'd think it would have been a little bit more high scoring than, than what it was, but um, I really, I as a Cowboys fan, I was grateful for the win, but it was, I was more relieved than happy um and i don't know if that's just uh, because i'm i'm too obsessive about the cowboys or what but it was it was as close to a must win as you could possibly have you know being and so now they can go in there four and two go into the bye um i loved the fact that dak did some stuff with his legs so I think that needs to happen more um, because he's not just a pure pocket passer. He's he's not good enough to be. So the the key to the Cowboys' success is going to be Dak's legs and creating um, with that. I was really impressed with uh, – uh, he's a backup, but he played well. Marquise Bell, he had to step in for Leighton Vander Esch, and he just was playing like with his hair on fire. 
And so I really, really was happy about what he was doing on that defense. I I thought this is a perfect example, in my opinion, of uh, Parsons is pretty much contained the whole game, except what it's those things that don't show up in the stat sheets. As a coach, you watch it and you look at the film and you go, man, he is just getting pressure after pressure after pressure. So it really disrupted Herbert and the game. You saw Herbert was just having to fire things quick. Um, but, and he was playing off balance the whole game. So even though he's not getting the sacks in this game, Parsons effect on the chargers and what, uh, Herbert was trying to do was just, you can't account for it. So I was really happy that the Cowboys were able to pull this out. The chargers again, I just, I'm not a big fan of the coaching staff and what they're, what they're doing there. So, uh, I, I do love, uh, and I'll do my last comment here. I, I do love more and what he's doing, but he, he's got to get some more answers to the run game. You had Austin Eckler back, and you got to be able to create some more uh, opportunities to showcase him and, and do let him do what he does best. Yeah, and, and he's been Mr. Automatic for the last couple of seasons in terms of touchdowns, and for the Cowboys to manage to not let him have a touchdown in this game – is a is a big telling sign because usually mm-hmm. he, he was good for two or three in just about every single game he played. Um, was pretty happy to see the the big impact that Keenan Allen had though in that uh, in that passing game, and of course he had a really great TD um, yeah. in oh. in that whole thing. It was such a great move, and he yeah. was so open on it. Um, but yeah, I mean Brad on on Dak though, I think. I have to give big props to Dak in this game, and I know I've, I've been on him a bit this season mm-hmm. already, but he was sacked five times, and it didn't still didn't seem to rattle him. And, and a lot of other QBs get sacked that many times. Of course, we talked about Sam Howell earlier. They don't they don't produce, and a team has to go to the run game. They have to push it in other directions, or the defense has to step up for them to be able to win a game because their QBs just get monstered. But Dak here, five sacks from the Chargers, and he seemed to just take it all and keep moving on. Interestingly enough, he came into the first five weeks of the season, he had 46 rushing yards in total, 40 rushing yards alone in this game. Of course, with that that big 18-yard uh, long TD, that, that was a really good – he got up to speed in that one. Um, he got up to a decent amount of speed real quick on that TD rush, and it was pretty impressive to see that as well as throwing quite a lot and C.D. Lamb just just balling out for the mm-hmm. Cowboys as well. He was so impactful. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, actually, I think, speaking on the Chargers side, because Dallas played real well. I think the Chargers, I don't know how they didn't let up a sack until the very final drive. That mm. O-line is so garbage i mean I'm, yeah. I'm sorry i'm sorry but that o-line did cost him the game in the end and yeah so many penalties they had like six or seven penalties just by the o-line false starts and holdings it was just so bad yeah it was horrible it's just it was horrible both teams it. both teams honestly in penalties in this game we just yeah you no know, it's just really dumb horrible 20 penalties, penalties 20, 20 penalties, penalties in a across, game is just insanity I mean, only beaten by that Niners Browns game, which had like twenty five penalties, which was 
um, which I thought was insane as well. So really, there was there was a lot a lot of people I think um th- that have to say that Brendan Staley is definitely on the hot seat. Two and three, you're gonna play the Chiefs next. You're probably gonna move to two and four. I'm sorry to say it. Sorry to count them out already, but it's probably true. I mean that Chargers fan, Marianne Doe, she she was really the epitome of all Chargers fans. Like the reactions of her during the game really show, hey, look, it, it's it's tough being a Chargers fan because they find new ways to lose every week. This week it's Herbert's fault. And no, it's the O-line's fault. You know, it's yeah. it's actually the O-line's fault why he threw that last interception. He's under a ton of pressure. He missed the wide open Keenan Allen earlier. I know that, but I feel like he threw that ball too early. And yeah, yeah it's just it's just getting it's just the pressure got to Herbert's head, I think, throughout this entire game. And that's really what cost them, I think, in the end. It's just really Herbert wasn't allowed the time to throw. Dallas even though they didn't get a sack, all the pressures still got to Herbert. And that's what really won them the game was the D-line. I think the Chargers D-line did just enough to keep them in it, but not enough to win, I think, across the board there for the Chargers. Um, one more game I do want to want to talk about before I went, boys. Right probably probably the upset of the week up there, the Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> Take down the Eagles. 20 to 14. Oh man. I mean, where where can I start with this one? I mean, th- there was so many, there was so many good things for the Jets here. I feel like the offense wasn't that great for the Jets still, but the defense really shone through. That defense of the Jets is really elite. Just like the Browns earlier. The Jets defense can keep them up in a game, make sure they stay in it. I mean, if you look at the Jets' offense, they were 2-11 and on third downs. They were pretty much outgained by Philly most of the time. But when it mattered most, the defense stepped up, got one fumble and three picks off Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. It was just incredible what this team did. It was a real team win for them. And granted, let me just say, they were down four cornerbacks, including their top two cornerbacks, Sauce Gardner, and yeah. DJ Reed, and yet they still got three interceptions off Jalen Hurts. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to get a bit worried about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles at the moment. He hasn't set the world on fire this year. He's. I mean, I know a lot of QBs haven't been that good, but I feel like there has to be some sort of conversation around Jalen Hurts. Seven interceptions in six games already. That is not good for for comparison's sake. Dak Prescott only has four interceptions. So, Brad, if any <laughs> Eagles fans are giving you any shit about <laughs> Dak Prescott's interceptions, you better be bringing up Jalen Hurts' interceptions. He's not doing well. And look, seven picks in in that in six games, man. This that, is that it's, is not that is not good. Three picks alone in this game, which tied a career yeah. worse for Hurts as well. So that's yeah. it. And that's this what is, Dak got last week. And, and this is it. Yeah, that's right. And he got. And, that's and what pe- I'm saying. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And this is this is a Jets defense that was also without Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, yeah. who have been Four cornerbacks. Yeah, they've been the most outstanding players on the defense. And yeah, yeah they. Um, yeah, I, I love the thing. I love coming out of this when you talk about the defense is Robert Sala. Basically, his confidence 
in uh in his defense yeah. and and he's I know he's he's sort of gone back on it a little bit now with his press conference, but it's coming straight out of the game. He basically just said through these first six weeks we played a gauntlet of quarterbacks. I know we haven't gotten all wins, but we've embarrassed all of them. And I I love that confidence in terms yeah, of Yeah, I, I love Coach Sala. I love him. I love him, you know. I, I absolutely love that. So that's a, that was yeah. a great thing. Look, I think the I think the Jets uh, offensively play better in this game. They play better than they have for the, the last five weeks. And obviously they did have a, they've got two other wins in all of that. But I think this was the the more put together offense and it, and it looked a lot better. Zach Wilson certainly looked the best he has all season, which is a, a good sign, uh, especially with the defense playing so good that they could, they could put together something that meant that they could come home with some points and, and continue scoring points throughout the game. Um, Brees Hall again. He just he really was just unleashed last week. He had fifty four through the air, so fifty four receiving this this week, which is great. As well as twelve carries for thirty nine yards and a TD on the ground. So that was a uh, really really good thing. I love seeing that guy just come alive. Uh, Eagles side for me, like I said, I, I agree with you on Hurts, mate. I don't think we're seeing the same Jalen Hurts we saw last season, and it is a little bit of a worry. Is he still in there? Is there a bit of a um, Super Bowl hangover going on, um, especially coming off a Super Bowl loss? It is a hard thing to deal with, some say. Uh, AJ Brown, though, he is still there and he is still probably one of the top wide receivers in the league right now. So many yards, 131 yards again. So I don't know. I They did it. They did all right. I think the Eagles did all right, but they, they really didn't do enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's I and I worry about the Eagles with oh, actually I don't worry about it. I'm glad they're sucking. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I the, with their next bit their schedule coming up. I mean, listen yeah. listen so who are they who are they these are the teams they have to play coming up. Miami, Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas again and at Seattle, they've got some really tough, tough, in- very, very tough against some very, yeah. very good defenses. Sorry, I thought I just give you a little uh, Bon Jovi there. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's scary what what a tough uh, schedule they've got. I and hats off to the Jets' defensive line. That's that defensive line is just looking top notch. So I think you know the Jets. Considering what happened to them after they lost Rodgers, again, there's another team that's very grateful to be three and three uh, going into this. Yeah, I, I think I I worry about the Eagles and their their upcoming schedule. I don't know how they're going to get away with um, more wins in that schedule. It's just uh, yeah. it's, it's very very tough from Ooh. here on. And I know they've gotten to five and one, and that might help carry them through, but. They're really going to have to sneak home a couple of a couple of wins against some very very good teams yeah. for that. They're still a good team, Ian. They're still a good yeah. team. Let me they're just still say. a good team. I I would yeah. I would have to I, say I they say, are still uh, they are they are still top two in yeah. the NFC w- along with the 49ers. I don't worry about either one of those teams and how they've how they've gone with a loss this week. I yeah. still I mean, think the next top, eight games. Yeah, but, I know the next eight games are brutal. But if there's any team that probably can survive this, it is the Eagles. They are pretty built for for those tough matchups. I'm not I'm not gonna say the Eagles are just going downhill. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know, this stretch is tough. Totally agree. But I think the Eagles 
still at least win five of these eight next eight games, I think. Oh. They're just such a good team. I know that's a very tough thing to say, but this is such a good team. They, I think they'll find a way to win at least four or five of them. I think that's really, it's really not going to be a challenge for them. That's just what I think. But you're gonna, you're gonna well, really, uh, you're gonna really hate yourself if the 49ers are one of those wins, though. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it. Now that you've said it. it, yeah, uh, you know. Eagles, I hope I hope they go down, though. Cry, Eagles, cry. I hope they go down on the but, fourth on the fourth of December. F- the Eagles, that's what me and John say. Oh, every day, every day it is. Every day, that's the mentality. In and all right, Brad, like that's that's our mentality here. Well, yeah, I I don't quite use the colorful language you do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. no, I, I forgot which podcast we were on. Sorry, boys. That's I, all I right. Also, my Aussie NFL fantasy podcast. So oh, we're gonna. We, <laughs> I'm in the mode of bleeping a lot of those out these days. Anyway, <laughs> we try and be a bit more upper class here. <laughs> we're supposed to hold our heads high as the analysts of the group, right? Okay, that's right. That's yeah, right. We, have, we haven't got to the point of wearing suits yet on 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 Zoom. <laughs> so, yeah, so. you're you're yeah. just lucky I got any clothes on for this podcast. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I think we very much are. Uh, all right, man, Jot. I know you got to take off. Brad and I will probably uh, yeah. hold down the I fort lost here track of the time, boys. I lost. I I had Ian had to remind me. I actually do have to go. Um, yeah, just. Uh, real quick on other games, um, if I'm allowed to just quickly mention <laughs> some things. Of um, just so you can be late. <laughs> yeah, just so I can be like two seconds late to ban. Go. Um, but, quick one-liners. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, right. Texans, Saints, real impressed by the Texans, especially against the tough defense. I thought they did real well. Jaguars, Colts, Jags ran away with it. They were just on fire. This team is probably going to win the South, I think. They're, they're doing enough. They're doing enough to hang in there and win that division. Um, Let's see. What other games have we got? Raiders, pa- Patriots. Raiders, with the backup QB and Brian Hoyer, still managed to beat a woeful Patriots. Mac Jones still sucks. Don't, just want to say it. Mac Jones still sucks. Um, <laughs> Lions, Bucks. Lions, incredible. Still on top. Really made Baker look like the bad version of Baker. It was just incredible what the Lions have been doing all season. I just, I'm really impressed by Dan Campbell. It's probably the best Lions team we've seen in a long time. Uh, Rams, Cardinals, Rams just ran away with it. Cardinals look as bad as we expected him to be. Kind of crashed to earth, unfortunately, after a few good weeks. Uh, and finally, Bills just surviving against the Giants. Josh Allen really does play down to the other QBs around him. And somehow, somehow they only escape with a five-point win against Tyrod Taylor and the Giants. Hmm. So there you go. That That's what I had to say about the rest of the game. All right, that's Manjot's Man one-liners for the rest of the games. Yeah. <laughs> All right, know, mate. Call it Manjot's quick minute there. Manjot's but... quick. Well, I'm not oh, saying hey, anything about hey, you. Hey. <laughs> That's what they all say about me, John. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm all right. Get out of here. I uh, just wanted one, one more quick thing. Very happy that flag football got inducted into the Olympics this week. Got selected as a sport for the 2028 Olympic Games. Hopefully, I'll be commentating that. That is going to be my dream. I just wanted to let the viewers know that I'm going to be aiming for that that high threshold in my life. So I uh, just want to let the viewers know we got high goals here and good day, Grand. Please do be supporting us as well. Thank you, everyone. All right, Brad, just me and you. Maybe we might get through the games a bit quicker now, huh? Hey, 
I, I can just I can just gas bag a little bit more. <laughs> just waffle on. All right, let's uh let's pick up where we left off. Uh Jags Colts. As Manjot said, the Jags did run away with this game. I expected a much better game out of the Colts for this. I'm very disappointed. I actually tipped the Colts this week, and I thought for sure that the Colts and Minshew were playing well enough. Uh, last week that they could put up a bit of fight against the Jags, but it turned out not. I mean, Minshew's numbers are huge and good old Gardner, he is really holding down that that fort massively. 33 of 55 attempts, 329 yards. It's it's like without Anthony Richardson, they're like, what run game? Um, yeah. So it's all passing. It's just, let's just go to Minshew's strengths and let's go all passing. Uh, but the the Jags were just able to stop that completely and they were just able to shut it down despite some big yardage numbers to some of the, the Colts receivers. The Jags really had their numbers and they really uh, just shut the whole thing down and didn't allow them to get into the game. I don't think they really got any decent foothold through the first three quarters. Um, they were obviously, they were, six, they were only six points up until the end of the third quarter. Uh, before scoring a couple of times in the in the fourth quarter, for I guess what could pretty much be considered garbage time stuff by then. Yeah, you know it's it's real it's real interesting. It, it, the first half was all Travis Etienne. Oh, I mean, same. you know the dude has just the last couple of weeks he has just turned it on, um, and I think you're, he's turning into what the Jaguars envisioned for him. But he, in the second half, he he was nothing. So I think, you know, the Colts clamped down on it. And, you know, I'm a little bit like you. I'm probably not quite as high on Minshew as what you are. But uh, I I just like his play. I just really like the guy. I like the guy, the personality. I don't don't think he's a spectacular quarterback. But he's definitely definitely a great football player, just in general terms. He loves the game. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. And 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 the the Jaguars' defense, I thought, was was legit in, in the fact that you know they're turning into a turnover machine um, in these last couple of games. So they've mm. really been been uh, and that's what's going to carry them. I think they're a good team, but they're not a great team, and so they need to be able to get these turnovers. You know. That they're they are the team that I think you know will get what maybe a win in the in the playoffs, and I think that would be considered successful for for Jacksonville. If if I'm Indianapolis, I'm I'm wondering you know with the news now today of Richardson being out for the season, yeah, uh, you know do do they shut it down uh, in the sense of do they say okay let's let's go out and see if we can get Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, type thing. I don't know. I don't think they're bad enough to do that. Um, I I, I think they they've still got enough weapons where yeah. they're gonna win. Um, especially with Taylor, if they can utilize Taylor some more. Yeah, uh, uh, it's funny. I don't think I agree with you. I don't think they're bad enough to do that. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna have a lot of say in it when it comes to the AFC South. Yeah. Because Houston are firing, and and obviously yep. we and we're going to talk about them next. But the Titans, as we talked about earlier, uh, it's really going to depend on what happens with the, the QB situation. But when you come up against uh, inter 
into division stuff, so in, in mm. your own own division, mm. I think the Titans are better than the Colts at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think I would I would guess that we'd see the Texans overtake the Colts here shortly, and then the Titans will mm-hmm. by the end of the season. So mm-hmm. at this point, without Richardson, even with the good players that they have on the team, I can see the Colts finishing last in this division. And whilst that's in terms of league-wide standings for draft picks, they are going to be they'll be they'll be up the top, but I, I don't think they're going to be well. They'll be in top ten, but I don't think they're going to be in a good spot to um, to really go for the big names. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting. You, I, I'm I'm with you. It's going to be interesting to see what they do for the rest of the season. Apparently, Richardson basically they're they're leaving the decision up to him on whether he has the surgery. Um, oh, really? which is season ending, but they have okay. said that it, he definitely will require surgery. So it seems like it could be something that he could, he could get through, he could play through, yeah. but it, it, I think I get the feeling when in some of the reports that I've read is that if he plays through it, it's probably going to be longer term than, than it would be like, and, he, and it could be very detrimental to his entire career if he keeps play, trying to play through it. Um, but yeah, why, this- would, why would you, you know, I mean, you've got your whole career left in front of you. Uh, yeah, and, I think, I think they're leaving him. it up to him at the moment. And because he's, he would be obviously devastated that he's, sure. he's basically been five games into a season and into his rookie season. And he's got to shut it down and, and have season ending surgery on his shoulder, which is, yeah, it's a, it's a horrible situation for any quarterback. Oh, oh, yeah! It, it, it's absolutely devastating. Um, but just to think that you know, because really he has only played. He was he's only started two games or so. Yeah. Uh, this season. Yeah. So it's you haven't really got a taste of of who he really is. So I, it it would be devastating um, for him. But it, in my opinion. You got to take the long term approach and just just shut it down. The Colts, though, man, the, this post Manning uh, QB cycle, oh. they are just they're on some kind of curse train. Um, yeah, QBs. Yeah, I mean to have like to go and, and you think about all the others that came along in in that space, but to think about just a- Andrew Luck and now Anthony Richardson in terms of drafting two absolute generational talents and we mm. all know what happened with luck with mm. in terms of uh sort of injury but he always played through it he was such a mammoth dude ended up walking away from the game because mentally he couldn't handle it it wasn't what he wanted to do anymore and then yeah. disappeared into the wilderness for years essentially um didn't talk to anyone was just going about his life as a dad and a dude so mm. and now richardson who was supposed to be an amazing prospect coming out of college and probably still is and would be is incredibly talented. But then to have these injuries just so early in a, in a rookie season, it's just the Colts, man. I just uh, I feel for the the Colts fan base. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You just you, you really got to feel bad for them. Um, but you know, it, they they got such a kooky owner. That uh, I I don't feel that bad for him. That guy's weird, man. He is, <laughs> he is a he is, strange he's, dude. He's, he's definitely you, out there, but he's at least he's the fun kind of cookie. He's 
Yes, he's not like he's true. not like other owners. So yeah, you're you're uh, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Hey, right, hey, let's um let's move on to the other South team we we're talking about. So the Texans, uh, who went up against the Saints, and came away twenty to thirteen winners over the Saints. The Saints, after a a big big win last week, uh, and here they are still. I don't again, Derek Carr. I don't know what this guy's made of. He's a cyborg. Like we talk about injuries oh. to 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 QBs, he has the same injury as Anthony Richardson has. Yet he is back out there throwing for another fifty attempts in this game, and he made thirty two of them for three hundred fifty three yards. He's an absolute cyborg. I just don't yeah. understand where like what he's made of. It's just crazy. Maybe he is T three. He might be a Terminator. Um, <laughs> he's certainly not. He's certainly not on the field at the moment, though, because only one TD out of all of that uh, 353 yards. And CJ Stroud, who is still the Offensive Rookie of the Year um, yeah. favorite, um, 13 to 27, 109. You could conceivably say these have been these last two weeks have been his, his worst stretch of these six games. The first four were amazing, really down week last week, coming back again. Uh, a bit more this week, but the throws he does make, they are, uh, it's just something to see. I, I didn't, I never thought that I would be excited about watching a Texans game in 40 and just to see, um, just to see what CJ Stroud does. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it really, really is impressive considering he was, you know, supposed to be the, the second best, uh, guy coming out of the draft yeah and he has shown by far the most poise and the most confidence and there's a really good article on espn about how cj stroud has won that whole texans locker room over and the fact that you know he even though he is a rookie the leadership that he shows and Mm. just how he's invested in the other players and the team and and how it's really turned around and it let's not think that they're full of all-stars um so the fact that they are three and three with that receiving core it's it's impressive i mean they're so young that is the, the biggest thing yeah, I think Dalton Schultz probably well Robert Woods, but Dalton Schultz is you know and and Robert Woods Schultz has turned into a, a an essential safety blanket for him, and you you see that a lot. You know, young quarterbacks they rely on their tight ends, um, so they've obviously got some really good rapport. But and you're right, it's Stroud's going to struggle, especially as more tape comes out on him. Teams are going to learn his tendencies, force him to do things yep. that. They, not as comfortable with, but I cannot speak highly enough uh, as a rookie QB uh, for what he's doing. And and like you've used said, poor Derek Carr. It's just you know the 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 Saints have all the tools. They have everything to make this thing go, but they're just like it's like a they're just they're a Ferrari that's running on two cylinders. <laughs> yeah. you know? it, it's just not working at all for him so uh you know alave is being alave he's he's looking good but that o-line is just how much punishment can one quarterback take i think that's the the game that Derek carr is trying to play here so i i just hope he doesn't get you know like career ending injuries type things so yeah um, they got they got to figure it out yeah for sure i think last things for me on the texans basically is is their their defense 
75 tackles made in this game, which Jeez. is huge. And this is, of course, they played so well uh, in, in terms of a defensive um, defensive core and defensive side. And this is after injuries to uh, Hassan Ridgeway, so, who's out on IR now um, after with a calf injury. And then Derek Stingley Jr., of course, who is placed on IR with a hamstring injury. So that, they were both out in recent weeks. And then we talk about the offensive side and we're talking about Stroud and how well Stroud's doing. We're talking about that receiving core. This game was without Tank Dell, who is yeah. who, who ended up out injured uh, pre-game basically. So during the week, so without Tank, who had been probably one of the biggest go-to targets on that receiving core, and they still managed to come away with that win over the Saints. I, uh, yeah, I just I just wonder. I mean, we'll, we maybe we can talk about it a little bit more when we get to the final game. But who wants it? Who what team actually wants to win the NFC South? You know, I mean, they are all just just throwing it away. Yeah, <laughs> they seem to be, mate. They seem to be. Um, let's go from let's pivot from one quality offensive rookie QB, so one offensive rookie of the year, to possibly the person who has ended up being the worst QB in the league. Not just in the, <laughs> this season, in this six games, but the stretch that we saw last year. Patriots, Raiders. Um, the Raiders, as Manjot said in his in his quick bit, the Raiders end up coming home with a win with Brian Hoyer uh, on the field after Jimmy Garoppolo went out with an injury. Jimmy Garoppolo was playing well too, uh, so that was a a really upsetting mm. injury for with Garoppolo going out. Um, but they ended up. Hoyer ends up sort of dealing a way to help them come home with uh, the win, 21-17 to 17 over the Patriots. I am massively surprised that the Patriots even managed to score 17 in this game. Yes. Matt Jones has to be one of the most woeful players I have seen in a, in a while. It, it just The mind boggles how he managed to be such a decent player early on in his career. And then hmm. it has just gone like not it's not even steadily downhill. It just seems to be free falling off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a that's a good way to put it. Uh, it's you know it's it's almost like he's living the life of a rock star. You know where he went this you know peaked whatever really early and and then all of a sudden you're just seeing him just look like a 1970s Elvis. Uh, it's just old and decrepit. So, yeah, just sitting uh, on the toilet eating hamburgers. Yeah, exactly. PB&J's. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> Give me another PB&J with some quaaludes, you know, and I'll be good. <laughs> it's just, it's 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 sad. It really is sad. And, and I hate saying it, but do you think Bill Belichick is playing the long game here? Is he playing chess again while we're all playing checkers? Is I, he going to? I think you know, there's, a, there's been so much of that talk. It's because, of course, a lot of the talk over the last few weeks is that it, this could be Belichick's last season as a coach. Uh, so he may get uh, forced out. This, you know, everything that's transpired over the last two seasons with Mac Jones and the, and the coaching staff, that this could be the point where he's maybe told no more coaching, Bill. Uh, uh, but then, but, then there is this little thread this week that got, saying. Is Belichick just playing the long game? Is he in a purposeful tank to yeah. to really go for that that first 
pick overall. And I would tell you what, he's he's they're in a good way right now if that is the uh if that is the ploy. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I mean, I'll I'll give the offense some credit. They did they least look passable this week. Whereas the last couple of weeks, they looked like a high school offense. But this week, they, they did look respectable for a little bit. So I'll, I'll give them that. But I wonder, because could you imagine Belichick getting the getting the first or second pick? I mean, it just, I'd just be, oh. And then he goes on, you know, coaches for another seven years and, and <laughs> does really well. It's just, oh. Well, I mean, they are, they are amongst uh, five other teams who are one and five at the moment. And, and they yeah. are some of the worst names in the league as well in terms of, in terms of the teams that we expected to be down there, um, the mm-hmm. Cardinals, the Bears, the Broncos, um, and surprisingly the Giants. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I I don't know. It is yeah. that thread is there. That is he is he playing the long game? Is this a uh, is all the acting on the sideline about being frustrated about the things that are going on on the field, um, or the way he's showing it? Is that all acting? Is is what I'm trying to say? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't he could know. Be, he it, could be the greatest thespian we've ever seen, if that's the case, Fred. Yeah, yeah really. And I guess only time will tell. Um, that's, that's right. And, and, you know, and real quick, just on the on the Raiders, Max Crosby is a stud. He he is in contention for being defensive player of the year, that guy, if he keeps this up. Uh, he is absolutely a one-man wrecking crew. And the Raiders just have a way of hanging around and hanging around, and they yeah. win these games, they and do. they keep it close. So it's it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. They're obviously not going to win the division. I think they'll finish third in the division behind the Chiefs and the Chargers, but they will make it real tough on teams. So yeah, they are just hanging out. I mean, they are three and three sitting second in the division right now. And if the Chargers keep charging the way they do, oh yeah. They they could end up in second spot yet. So um LA Rams, Arizona Cardinals, the Rams and Matthew Stafford. Speaking of cyborg, Matthew Stafford, I don't know. I go through weird love affairs with this bloke. Yeah. Just up and down, and you start thinking, ah, oh, that's Matthew Stafford. I don't want to watch any of it. And then you watch some of some of his play and the throws and the, the way he's sort of throwing into these really tight windows. And you're just like, this is exciting. And of course, there was a, a big lot of that in this game as well. Cooper Cup just being all the way back um, with 148 yeah. yards and a TD with some some beautiful, beautiful balls, some beautiful reception from Matthew Stafford. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that we've sort of seen a, a, a big a big loss of um, production from Puka Nakua because of that. I would have mm-hmm. rather seen both of them balling out and, and yes. uh, the Rams really leaning on that receiving game it's, and with Tutu Atwell as well and just like full-on pushing into that the Matthew Stafford is a, is a quality throwing QB and and just that whole narrative. But then up pops Kyron Williams this week in the run game, 20 carries for 158 yards and a TD. He mm-hmm. just dominated the hell out of the defensive line for the Cardinals. Just massive, massive holes everywhere through that defensive line. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, this is, I got to say, it's probably the least exciting game uh, that I was interested in yeah. this week. 
but uh but the rams always can their offense can always look inter- interesting i i get a little disappointed they can't seem to put two halves together they're always good for one half um <laughs> but and i'm with you uh i'd like to see I'd like to see Cooper Cup and Puka Nintendo because I think that's a cool combination. And with Matthew Stafford, frankly, I would not want to play the Rams right now um, just because no. you could beat them by 20 or you could lose by 20. You just you don't know um, what's going to happen there. And the Cardinals, I think I feel like we're finally seeing the Cardinals. You know, they hung around, they hang around, hang around a little bit, but they really don't have a whole lot going for them. Uh, it, it, I still go. How the hell did they beat Dallas? But what, whatever. It's just that's my own bias. I but just know I'm with you. It, but it, I'm disappointed in this game to not see them start the game the way that they have for every other game in the last yes. five weeks, where they yes. started very slow with only six points on the board in the first half. Yeah, not a lot going on either. Lots of three and outs. There was just it wasn't a lot of movement of ball, like and, and not a lot of just fast pace. Cardinal stuff. So I don't know whether they've just they were trying to they've realized they need to pace themselves for a whole game. Um yeah, I don't know whether it's the right decision. I, I don't I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't think it is. I think their red zone, they gotta figure out their red zone um and what they're doing there because there's no way they're gonna win games just kicking field goals. No, so not at all. It'll be interesting. And just on the Rams in terms of not wanting to play them, uh the next few weeks for them. Steelers at Cowboys at Packers uh, and then Seahawks at home again. So the next four, that's okay. uh, that's a pretty interesting run for the Rams. I can yeah, see it. I can, if the if the Cowboys mess up like they have in a few other games yeah. here, I can see them four and zero out of that stretch. Yeah, it's it's possible, and that's the thing. They could be four and zero, four and zero, or they could be zero and four. Yeah, you just don't know. You just yeah. don't know what you're going to get. But I do. That's what I mean. it is. Frustrating watching Matthew Stafford play, but at other times it's quite fun. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What do we need to? Where are we at? We got the Jets. We talked about Lions Buccaneers. There we Brent. go. I think that's our final. No, we got two games left. Two yep. games left. Two games left. So Lions Buccaneers. Let's go with that one first. The Lions, who were absolutely the form team for this week, and very much could be a little bit of luck goes their way in one game. They could still be undefeated, I think, in this season. They're very, very lucky against the Seahawks to go down 37-31. So mm. Uh, sorry, unlucky to go down 37-31. I feel like they should have been the, the last undefeated team for the season. The Lions, what a team they have built. The way that they have built around Goff, and, and Goff is just, I think this is probably the best we've seen of Goff in many years. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he is MVP candidate right now. I mean, he's in that discussion. I'm not saying he's the front runner. Yeah. He's in that discussion. Yeah, he definitely is. I totally agree. He definitely is. Uh, and that's because of the way that other QBs that should be right up in that discussion have been playing. Um, like uh, Jalen Hurts, for instance, who yeah. we talked about earlier. And, yep. and and the fact that Patrick Mahomes hasn't been the Mahomes that we know. Uh, of course, that'll probably be different down the stretch. But sure. Jared Goff right now, the way they have built this team and built it around certain values, and obviously it's that hard hitting, that smash and grab kind of mentality. Mm. Mm. And I think nothing is more evident of that 
and the way the mentality that Dan Campbell wants to instill into this team and the way they do, then the Jamison Williams touchdown, that particular one, I think, is just really put an underline under the whole mentality on it. He yeah. um, he got out front, but there was a there's a certain hit there from uh God, I can't remember who it was. There's a massive hit for just in terms of a, a block uh, mm. to let him be out in front and away uh, and down out for that touchdown. That just Reynolds, Reynolds, I think Reynolds. It was Reynolds. Yes, it was yep. Reynolds. Sorry, it was Reynolds. Josh Reynolds smashed, completely smashed a Tampa Bay defender uh, and just ran through him in terms of the block and, make, and making sure that Williams got open. Um, and it's just that selfless play and that that will and that want to do anything they can to just get over the line as a team and, yeah. and win. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's, that's exactly the epitome of the style that Dan Campbell wants. And I guarantee you they're going to go nuts when they watch that as a team, the film of that. And, but that, that's win games, you know, that type of play wins games for you and you're seeing it with the lions and i think that's why people love about them is yeah. just the way they battle you know and, and jameson williams that was his fifth career reception so you know the guy was hurt all last year he has a whatever a four game suspension this year so it's that was only his fifth catch of his career and if they continue to integrate him back in the offense you saw what almond ross st brown did you know, it comes back with 12 receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. So, you know he's a stud. Uh, it's they – oh, they are fun, fun to watch. I'm a little worried about their run game because is it, it, Montgomery's out now, isn't he? For yes. An, yeah, Montgomery's yeah. out for an extended period of time. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Reynolds, Reynolds will take over for that, Craig Reynolds, that being. Yep. There's a Josh yep. Reynolds and a Craig Reynolds on his team. Um, but yeah, Craig Reynolds will take over for that. I am a little worried about it too, because um, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about Gibbs when he's supposed to come back. Yeah, that's team. the worrying thing. It would be okay, Dave Montgomery going out now with a, a bit of an injury and and have to have extended time off if Gibbs wasn't already hurt. If Gibbs was there, then it's just an instant replacement. But mm-hmm. yeah, I have to agree. I'm a I'm a little worried about that right now too. I don't know yeah. how, and, how they're going to get over that. Um, well, yeah. Uh, I, leave it up to Ben Johnson, the OC, to figure it out. Uh, I think if anybody can figure it out, it's it's going to be him. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. with the on the on the other side of the wall, the Bucks. I mean, can you believe the Bucks are leading their division? I mean, it's just. I mean, I can believe it because they've been playing better, especially Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield hasn't been the normal Baker Mayfield we've seen until yeah. this game, yeah. uh, and I yes. and I agree with Manjot's take. Is we saw a Baker Mayfield in this game that is the uh, the bad Baker Mayfield that we've been used to seeing in some games, and and I'm a little bit disappointed in that because obviously I was a bit high on him over the last five weeks because he'd been so so much better and it seemed mm-hmm. like he'd found the groove in Tampa and this offense with these players the coaching is obviously a groove that that suits Mayfield but um yeah he just this I don't know what happened I think it, whether it's the 
the Detroit defense really just getting up on him uh, and in his face in this game a lot. Maybe that threw him off a lot from um, what he's been used to this season. And it's sort yeah. of those old habits came back in, the the panic. I think there was a lot of panic setting in, a lot of running around. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of pressures in this game from the Detroit defense on Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, hey, well, and, and so I'm not I'm not surprised they're leading the division, um, really, because the division we talked about it earlier in the season. Division was going to be a close one, regardless. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah especially is. with you didn't know what the Falcons were going to do. The Saints could be anywhere; they could be up and down, and the Panthers. Well, the Panthers should be leading this division if Bryce Young came out and was the player that he was supposed to be. If, if it was C, yeah, if it was CJ Stroud, they if they'd taken CJ Stroud, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yep, have to yeah. agree. You know, it's and I think I think long term, I think Atlanta or New Orleans is going to win the division. But you know, hats off to Tampa Bay and Baker for for doing what they're they're doing. You you can't argue with leading the division at this point. Again, and this will be my last coaching rant. But I don't know why there were so many coaches' decisions that irritated me. But in this <laughs> one, um, Todd Bowles, he's the, the coach for Tampa Bay. They're down by 14 points, 10 minutes left in the game. They've got a fourth and two, and he, and he elects to punt the ball. Yeah, now, just give, just giving his, his punter, Jake Kamada, just a, an extra shot there, just yeah. an, extra, an extra go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know either, does he, mate. Does he have a bet on trying to get his punter into the Pro Bowl? I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know? I mean, he's possibly he was possibly the best player on the field today, anyway. Yeah, uh, right. six punts, uh, three hundred twenty-five yards, so an average of fifty-four yards per punt with a six ah. with a sixty-six yard long punt in that. He did. He Jeez. hit a sixty-six yarder, uh, which is insanity. <laughs> so that 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 is yeah. Well, you know it's bad when we're giving out punting statistics. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely bad. All right, last game to talk about for the round, Bills and Giants. The Giants coming into this were already one and four. Mm. They were terrible. They have been terrible. No uh, – yeah. who, am I, who am I talking about? So, Giants and then with the fact that they're – no Daniel Jones. Sorry, I really lost my train of thought there. I don't know why. No Daniel Jones. Uh, Saquon Barkley only just back. Like not really. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you could say he's fully healthy. Tyrod Taylor comes in for Daniel Jones uh, as the backup QB. Uh, he starts the game. Obviously, he plays the entire game. Did a pretty good job. Uh, receiving wise, Darius Slayton hasn't been good. Wondell Robinson hasn't been good. Darren Waller hasn't been good. Jalen Hyatt hasn't been good in receiving. So, I don't know. They just haven't. Giants all round hadn't been good coming into this game. Bills should have put up numbers on them. The Bills in previous, previously, uh, the last couple of weeks, well, apart from last week, James Cook had been amazing. Well, apart from last week, because he had minus four yards last week. But up until then, James Cook had been amazing. Josh Allen was doing Josh Allen things. Stefan yeah. Diggs. Huge games the last couple of weeks. Um, Dawson Knox was great. Yeah, it was just, I don't know what happened. It was just, I don't, don't know what happened to the Bills. And Manjot mentioned it a little bit. Um, and and I think we I joked about it with Mark from No Huddle Dynasty in our 
in our text thread for AGN previously that um it seems like it seems like the Josh Allen is cursed to only play as good as the team that he is playing against. So yeah, absolutely. It just seems like there is some curse on Josh Allen where if he plays if he plays the Eagles, he'll play out of out of sight. He'll play amazing. He plays yeah. the Giants who are woeful. Well, he's going to play like the Giants do. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he's a classic case. And I think the team does it too as a whole. Um, you know, seems I like they follow his lead a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but you're exactly right. He just plays up or down to the opponent, so it's it's pretty maddening. I mean, you know, there's the old saying, "Don't play with your food," and it's the idea is, you know, if you can put a team away, put a team away, and that type of thing. Um, the Bills just looked lifeless. They didn't even look like they were playing with their food. They just looked like they were going to get beat in that first they half. There were six. They were, they were zero for six. The so six nil down to the Giants until the fourth quarter. Jeez. And actually, I Jeez. think they may have even been nine, uh, nine nil because I think the Giants in the fourth may have scored first. But, yeah, yeah it's just in, yeah. it's insane. I don't know why. Well, yeah. Um, so they and that's this the the bills of old, and they got to figure it out on the on the giant side. Okay, I said that this is going to be my last coaching rant in the last game, but no, I got one more. I got to say. <laughs> so the, the the giants. So for end of the first half, they've got thirteen seconds left in the first half. They've got uh, no timeouts. They're at the bills one yard line. Yeah. What do they do? They run the ball. Oh, this they, yeah. They ran the ball. 13 seconds left. They run the ball on the one yard line. I'm sorry. You could get three. I don't I, I don't know what down it was, but you could at least get two, three, four passes when you got 13 seconds left on the one yard line. And it just it's so asinine. So instead of getting any points, they get no points. Yep. And I that's all Brian Dayball. I'm sorry, but you are an idiot for making that kind of decision. Yeah, ran for no no gain, basically. Barkley yeah. from the one, no gain. Uh straight up the middle too again. And that that just that grinds my gears completely. And I know mm. it's both coaching and it's the player at the, that point as well. Yeah. But yeah. you are on the one yard line. The the defense cannot back up any further than mm. from there. They know that's the line. They know they can put all personnel, um, defensive line and all the, the backs on that line because they're in a very short space. So you've got a lot of players in that short space. And when when you snap the ball and that defensive team knows that you are going to do a run play, hmm. then all of those cornerbacks just jam down straight away. They all yeah. press in. So why... Why on earth are you trying to run it straight up the middle? And I see so many teams do it, and it drives me yep. wild as well, Brad. Yep. Like, yep. even though it's a run play, just why are you trying to go straight up the middle, smash and grab? Because you're against yeah. you're against 13 players, 11, 13 players. Like, it's just... It, yeah, the, the only team that I want doing that if I, is the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the only ones that have been able to, you know, execute consistently... The, the you know they're going to run it up the middle with Jalen Hurts yep. and they do it every time and they get the they get the first down they get their yardage but I'm sorry you and especially no, with 13 you, seconds left you don't you're right that. they would have been better off at, in this scenario go and play action basically yeah yeah 
just go and play so, action and just make it a pass. They probably could have got a probably could have got a touchdown and the half at uh, I don't know it would have been thirteen nil, um, you know. And then maybe they would have been better off. Maybe they would have won this game if they go into halftime at thirteen nil against the Bills. Maybe they would that would have broken the Bills enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, it's just whatever you know. And as I said, even though that was still it was still six six nil coming into the fourth quarter, and yes. and the um the Bills forced the Giants to punt, and then they go back down the field seventeen plays for eighty nine yards for a touchdown for the first touchdown of the game. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then. So it's six all because missed uh, missed attempt as well, which is another thing. Um, if your team's not on, your kicker needs to be on. You can't have a missed attempt on the only uh, try, the only uh, extra point try you have in the game at that point. It just yeah yeah Tyler Bass it yeah. <laughs> well, the 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 giant stupidity is the Bills gain. So yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, it's, it's why we play sports. It is why we play sports, exactly. It's why we watch sports. It's why we talk about sports. Yeah. And speaking of talking about sports, Brad, that is the end of, end of week six. Recap. We have talk sports. I love it. I love it. Hey, you know, uh, I would remind her to tell the listeners, don't forget to check us out on the socials. Yep, for um, sure. So uh, we appreciate all your guys' support. Yeah, at G'day Gridiron on Insta and Facebook. Don't forget to check out Manjot at Pastry Press NFL. Um, and check out the Aussie NFL Fantasy podcast, uh, whether it's on the feed that you're listening to or if you're on the G'day Grinner feed, go check out that feed. Brad, we've got a big game next week. You're going to have to listen to both Manjot and I waffle on. Um, <laughs> Monday night football is the 49ers coming to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And the 49ers are going to be without some pretty key players. And I'm, even though they're seven point favorites at the moment, I'm pretty excited about it because if the Vikings play a, a decent brand of football at home, which they usually do, then with the 49ers injuries, we could, we might be on for something here. Um, and I would desperately yeah. love to be coming yeah. into our recap show next week with Manjot going down to the Vikings. so <laughs> oh, no. I would love that too. Don't tell him I said that, but I would love that too. Especially after after you have to hear it from him about the Cowboys getting yeah. pummeled a couple yeah. of weeks ago. So uh, if oh, the Vikings can take care of business here, I would be very appreciative. <laughs> that, would, that would be good. I think so. the big game next week, though, that I'm really looking forward to is that Dolphins versus Eagles. That's that is- going to be... I, we're en- we're ending the week with two very big games in terms of Sunday night football with Dolphins Eagles, and yeah. then um, Monday night football with 49ers Vikings. They're yeah, gonna be two 100%. very fun games. Oh, actually, there's three to be honest. Chargers Chiefs is probably yep. set up to be a really good game as well. Major yeah. and I were talking about this earlier. It seems like ESPN have all of the good games this week coming up. Mm. Uh, mm. And of course, if you do check out our socials, I do post the Australian TV schedule regularly, the one that comes from the NFL. So. Um, do check that out, and we we do like to get a bit of comments going on there. There are a lot of good games that are all on the uh, on on ESP, ESPN platform this coming week. Uh, they've really picked some good ones. So, mm. all right, let's get out of here, Brad, uh, and we will talk to you and see everybody uh, next week for week seven recaps. See you later. Thank, thanks, everybody.
G'day Gridiron is brought to you by the Aussie Gridiron Network, a network of Australian podcasts bringing you some of the best content from the NFL and the local game. Check out our other podcasts, Aussie NFL Fantasy and No Huddle Dynasty. 